Welcome back to our series on Genesis, and today we're talking about, anybody want to guess? Noah, very good, very good. Now, in case there's anybody here today who thinks Cross Church and Pastor Allen believes that the movie about Noah is a faithful account of what really happened, let me just tell you, we don't believe that at all. But there were some good things in that movie, which I'm going to tell you about in just a few moments. But before I do, let me ask the question that some of you have asked, and I've heard actually some of you ask if it's actually just a myth or if it really happened. Is it a myth or is it true? Now, here's what I I believe. I believe that it is true, and I'll tell you why. And before I I do that, i got to remind everybody, the Bible is not a scientific textbook. It's not a history textbook. It's not a, a textbook on archaeology or geology. The, book is a, the Bible is a book about our relationship with God and God's relationship with us. Now, some scientists believe that at the time of Noah and before, there was a canopy of water that surrounded the earth. It would be one of the, one of the layers in our atmosphere. And some of you who will remember your science remember that there are, in fact, layers in our atmosphere. And these scientists believe that this water canopy around the Earth would have created, uh, actually, tropical or subtropical conditions uh, right around the Earth, from the North Pole to the South Pole. And in fact, and this is reported not by a Christian scientist, but it's reported by the BBC, who, uh, who quoted these scientists' findings and these, uh, these scientists found that, in fact, there were uh, subtropical or tropical conditions at the North Pole. Interesting, isn't it? So we know that the world, as we know it now, would have been very different at the time of Noah. At some point in the history of this world, the world was a very different place. Now, I don't pretend to be a scientist. My specialty is in the area of theology, in relationship with God and relationship with people. That's my specialty. That's my expertise. How to have an excellent relationship with God, the vertical, and how to have an excellent relationship with people. Right? Everybody remembers that? You thought it was just the Pope that did that. (laughs) It's me too. (laughs) And we recognize that we must have a great relationship with God. That's what the Bible is about. Now, let's just look at the story of Noah again for just a moment. Because I don't want us to get hung up on the, the science of it or the details of it. But it, it, it does bear uh, some reflection. H.S. Bellamy, in his book, Moons, Myths, and Men, estimates that over 500 flood, and he calls it legends, flood stories or flood legends, uh, can be found worldwide. Um, ancient civilizations, such as the Chinese civilization, the Babylonian, whales... Um, Russia, India, America, South America, Hawaii, Scandinavia, Sumatra, Peru, Polynesia, etc., etc. They all have their own story of what actually happened. And some of you will remember, uh, maybe in school, reading about the Epic of Gilgamesh. How many remember that story? Anybody? Did anybody go to school here? (laughs) That was something that I remember studying in high school. And actually, it's a, it's a story that very much 
uh, copies or parallels the story of the flood. The fact of the matter is, um, and I've got here a list of uh, 35 different countries, different people groups, different tribes that have this story. Every one of them includes the destruction by water. Every one of them includes humans being spared. Um, only, uh, only three of the 35 do not include the preservation in a vessel which we call an ark. And most of them include some kind of a warning that was given before the flood was going to take place. And uh, most of them would, would recognize that God was the cause of this destruction. Now, there is, a, there is an, a, a sort of an overarching number of, of, of commonalities between these stories that make us believe that obviously there's something more to it than, than, what, than what we might think. Now, some of us are, are natural skeptics, we're natural cynics, and we like to dismiss stuff and, and find a reason why it doesn't work. Now, can I just say this? And I, I, I said this last week. We read in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, that, that we believe by faith that God created the universe. So at the end of the day, I could, I could pile you up with all kinds of, of evidence and all kinds of proof that it really happened. But at the end of the day... You're going to have to look at the big picture and make a decision whether or not you believe that this is true or not. I believe it's true. I have put my faith in God. And here's the thing, folks. This, this may come as a, a new thought to you. My belief in, in the word of God is based, first of all, on my relationship with him. I've discovered God. I have a relationship with God. And I have discovered that what he says is true every time in my life. And when I do things God's way, the way God wants me to do it, then I experience or reap the blessings or the benefits that he says I'm going to benefit or, or, or reap. So, what were Noah, the ark, and the flood really all about, and, and what does it teach us? Well, in order to do that, I need to talk to you about man's problem. How many know that man has a problem? The ladies are going, yes. Okay, I'm talking about you two girls. <laughs> we as a, a humanity has a problem. We understand that. When we use that term man, we uh, are referring to, to all human beings, uh, male or female. So this past year, on March 28th, Hollywood released this movie based on the life of Noah. And you know that they took incredible liberties, didn't they? They, to me, it reminded me of a cross between maybe Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, and the Bible. <laughs> it was all mixed up there. Like the stone watchers and whatever that is, I don't know. Um, but I can tell you this, that a lot of it was, was just literary license gone, gone wild. They were really not true to the story. But the only thing that's, that was true, of course, is that they built a boat and that animals came onto it. But here's what they really got well, did really well. You, you get the impression as you're watching that movie that Noah was some sort of an ecologist, uh, an extreme tree hugger, if you will, more concerned with, with the world and more concerned with animals than he was with people. And the fact of the matter is, 
is that as we read the story about Noah, we discover that, yes, God loves his creation. How many know that? In fact, if you read Romans chapter 8, you discover that the Bible says that all of creation is groaning under the destruction and the declension and the, and the, and the horrors of sin that happens on the face of the earth. We're talking about the creation here. And that it's waiting for the day when it will be saved or released from the destruction that it's hap- that's happening around us. But how many understand today that even more important than, than this world as we know it, more important than, than, than the plants and the trees and the animals are in fact human beings? How many understand that today? Oh, you didn't understand that? Well, now you know. The Bible is very clear. Jesus came to this earth first and foremost, for you and for me. More about that in just a moment. The producers of this movie portray Noah as a man who really, really understands how, how very wicked and how very vile and evil we are. Now, on this, on this one, they got it so right. They did such a good job depicting the evil of humanity. Now, what they, maybe they knew it, maybe they didn't, I don't know. But what they did was they beautifully portrayed the doctrine of original sin. For the last few weeks, we've talked about how sin came into this world through Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve did not have faith in God. They did not, ready for this, they did not believe God or do what he says. Because that's what faith is, right? Faith is believing God and doing what he says. They didn't do that. And then we come along to Cain and Abel. And what was Cain's problem? He did not believe God and do what God says. Remember we said last week that Abel worshipped God the way God wanted Abel to worship. Cain worshipped God the way he wanted to worship. Now how many know today that you can't worship God any way you want? You cannot create your own religion and decide this is how I'm going to approach God. This is how I'm going to worship God. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to create my own religion. How many know you can't do that? You have to worship God. You have to approach God on his terms. And Cain was jealous and angry that Abel was being blessed by God. And so Cain says, well, there's only one thing to do about this. And what does he do? He kills his brother. Well, here's the thing. We get to Genesis, and here's what it says in Genesis 6.13. So God said to Noah, I have, destroy, I have decided to destroy all living creatures, for they have filled the earth with violence. Yes, I will wipe them all out along with the earth. I have decided to destroy all living creatures, for they have filled the earth Say it, with They filled the earth with violence. Yes, I will wipe them all out along with the earth. And it begins with Cain. Cain, it's a very shocking chapter. You open the Bible. I don't know when when it was that you first read your Bible. Maybe it was before you even put your faith in Christ yet, and you thought, well, I'll see what this book is all about. And by the time you get to chapter 4, the very first book of the Bible, you've got a guy killing another guy. You've got Cain killing Abel. It's very shocking. Folks, here's what you and I need to understand is that we all have this in our nature. You wouldn't know it by looking at some of us, but we have that lurking in our hearts. We are 
under the control of sin, violent people. We're nasty people. Look at me. You wouldn't know that about me, would you? Why are you laughing? <laughs> Look at the person beside you. Now, don't. <laughs> you and I, that's, this is our problem. Under the influence and the power of sin, you and I are violent. We are everything that is the antithesis to who God is. How does God choose to describe himself? He, the Bible says God is love. He is love. And these creatures, these human beings that the Bible says God created in his own image to be loving, now have got to a place where they are so violent, God says, i I got I to wipe it all out. i got to destroy it all. Now, you and I, living here in North America, 2014, things aren't too bad here, we can't even imagine the levels of violence that are taking place. I read not that long ago about the Khmer Rouge. Anybody hear of them? If you wore glasses, how many are wearing glasses this morning? The Khmer Rouge would consider you to be intellectual. And we know it's not true. <laughs> you walked right into that one. <laughs> okay. If you wore glasses, they would consider you to be an intellectual, and therefore you would be considered uh, to be among those who thought they were elite. And so, therefore, you must be killed. If you were a doctor, if you had any degrees, you would be put to death because you would be against the working man. The pictures of what it was like in Cambodia after the Khmer Rouge's reign of horror. And we see skulls, piles and piles of skulls and bones. Horrible, horrible violence and destruction. Now, now, now think of this. Imagine the whole world being like that. Where you'd be afraid to go out your front door in case you were raped or murdered. Horrible violence that you and I cannot even imagine. And God says, what on earth have I created? What am I going to do? The doctrine of original sin says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Do you know there's not one person in this room today who can say, I'm not a sinner. Everybody else is, but I'm not. (laughs) All of us are. I am. In fact, the Apostle Paul, the great preacher of his day, he said this about himself. He said, not only am I a sinner, I'm the worst. I'm the chief of sinners. In fact, he said, there's no one who sins as much as I'm the worst. I'm the worst. It's the doctrine of original sin. Listen to this in Isaiah 64, verse 6. And But if, if you think that this is just a New Testament idea, it's not. It's, it's this, we've known this from the beginning of time. Listen to this, Isaiah 64, 6. We are all, I like this, we are all infected and impure with sin. I don't like the fact that we're infected, but I like the way it's worded. We are all infected and impure with sin. When we display our righteous deeds, they are nothing but filthy rags. Like autumn leaves, we wither and fall, and our sin sweeps us away like the wind. That's who we are. See, Pastor Allen, I did not come to church to hear this today. 
I was looking for something a little bit more cheerful, especially on a long weekend, Pastor. Well, okay, I got some good news for you in just a moment. But before we get to the good news, we got to deal with the bad news. You and I, you and I are desperately in need of God's grace. You and I are sinners. I'm going to tell you this. I don't believe that you can really have any kind of a meaningful relationship with another human being until you understand that about yourself. Because here's what I've discovered. People who fight and don't get along and people who complain about each other and people who are quick to point their finger at other people and people who think other people are worse than they are is that they don't see themselves. We are notorious for not really recognizing and understanding what we're really like. Would anybody agree with me on that? How many times have you heard somebody talking about somebody else, about what a terrible person they are, but you're thinking to yourself, man, you're just describing yourself. That we don't recognize about ourselves. We recognize everybody else's weaknesses, everybody else's sin, everybody else's uh, failings. We don't see it in ourselves. Here's how I know that somebody's really been touched by the Spirit of God. Is that the thing that they recognize is themselves. Now, some of us are thinking to, well, you know, I remember when I got saved, I was a bad person back then, but I'm, I'm pretty darn good now. How many understand that you are a work in progress? That you are not perfect yet? Oh, legally, in the heavens, God declares you perfect. But the Bible tells us that we are being perfected until the day of salvation. Does everybody get that? So that's what's happening here on this earth. God sees you as perfect because he sees his son if you put your faith in him. But you're in the process of being perfected, being transformed, being changed. And until you recognize your need of it, folks, you can never, ever, ever have a relationship with God. It's impossible. Until you understand and recognize how much you need God, uh, you will never reach out to him. You will never say, God, I need you. So i got to stop right here because, um, you see, this is the problem with the people in Noah's day. Here's a guy, the Bible says that he built his ark for 120, 100, 120 years, building away, and the Bible says he preached while he was building and warning people of the judgment that was to come. And everybody just laughed at him. No, you're crazy, crazy guy building a... It's like building a massive ship liner in Headingley. Right? It's like, we're, there's not even a lake here. What are you thinking? You're going to tow it to Lake Winnipeg? Well, the way the rivers have been rising, maybe, you know. But here it is. They thought he was a lunatic, but for 120 years he preached faithfully, telling people, you need to repent, you need to turn from your sin, you need to recognize that you are a sinner, that you're living a violent life. Can I remind everybody what violence is? Violence is not just picking up a hammer and hitting somebody over the head. I had a friend when I was a kid that did that once. Thankfully it wasn't me. <laughs> violent guy. And that was his... That was his his way, his habit. He just was a violent kind of guy. But can I tell you that violence also takes the form of nasty words, unkind words, sarcasm. You see, everything about the person who's unconverted, the person who has not yet put their faith in Christ, is violent. They're violent in nature, violent in their thoughts, 
violent in their jealousy, violent in their resentment and their bitterness. Oh, they may have a, a wonderful facade. They look great on the outside, but inside is just a violent storm churning full of hatred and resentment and I'm never talking to that person again. I'm wiping that person out of my life. Folks, listen to me. Until you understand what our problem is, you'll never understand your need of God's solution. Your problem is that you are born with what we call original sin, and your tendency is toward violence. I'm not talking necessarily about beating somebody up. I'm not even talking. I'm talking about everything about us, our attitude, our, our words that we speak. Violent. And it's not Alan Duncalf that said that. The Bible says that. So here's Noah building his ark and warning everybody, get your life right with God. How many have seen in the movies... They always depict a crazy religious guy with a sandwich board. You know what I'm talking about? The end of the world is here, and everybody laughs and mocks him and thinks he's a lunatic. And uh, the final word's not in on that yet. You know that. So what do we do with this information? You're a sinner, I'm a sinner. Our tendencies toward violence. Yeah, all of us. Here's what we, here's what we uh, need to recognize. We can recognize that we are sinners, and secondly, we need to recognize that we need a Savior. And these people, listen to Noah preach, refused both. They would not recognize that they were sinners, and they would not recognize that they needed a Savior. They would not recognize that. They refused it. They mocked Noah right up to the last day. The animals are going into the ark. You would think that someone would say, hey, maybe there's something to this. The animals are coming in two by two on their own. And still they mocked him and laughed him. I want to say this to you right now. Let the Spirit of God speak to your heart because God has given us all kinds of signs. And most of us don't even recognize it. We ignore it and we let it happen and we don't even see what God's doing in our midst. And so they let it go. There's three kinds of people. Those who can't see that they're sinners. There are those who don't care. They can see that they're sinners, but they just don't care. And there's a third kind who see it, and they crowd to God for mercy. Can I ask you a question this morning? Which one are you? Have you cried out to God and said, God, I, I need your mercy. I need your grace. I'm going to tell you that that is what the Christian life's about. The Apostle Paul said this. He said, God's grace is sufficient for me. That's all he needs. He recognized that he was a sinner. He recognized his weakness. He recognized how much he needed God. So what's God's solution? Well, the fact of our sinfulness is just half the story. It doesn't end there. And now here's the good news. God loves you. God loves me. He loves us. And because he loves us, he gives us a way of escape. In other words, you don't have to die in your sin. You don't have to die in in the flood. You can be saved. 
You can find salvation in the midst of your sinful tendencies, your weaknesses, your violence. The problem with the movie, with Russell Crowe, is that they completely ignore God's love for this righteous man and his family. Completely ignore that. And folks, that is the story of Noah. It's God's great love for you and me. You see, but Pastor Allen, I'm not worthy of God's love, so there's no hope, there's no chance. Or some of you are sitting here today and say, Pastor Allen, I struggle with sin. I struggle with the same thing over and over again. I don't seem to ever be able to get over some, some things, some certain things. Can I just say this to you today? God loves you. And he's not finished with you yet. That's the good news. Right now, the Spirit of God is working in you and through you, and you're saying, Pastor Allen, I don't even know if all this stuff is true. Sometimes I have doubts. Sometimes I believe. Here's what I know. God loves you. Look what it says here in, in um, Genesis 6, verse, uh, chapter 6, verse 9. It says, this is the account of Noah and his family. family. Noah was a righteous man the only blameless person living on earth at the time. And he walked in close fellowship with God. And then in chapter 7, verse 1, when everything was ready, the Lord said to Noah, go into the boat with all your family, for among all the people on the earth, I can see that you alone are righteous. Some of you are saying, but Pastor, didn't you just say that we're, we're all born with original sin? You seem to be contradicting yourself. Is the Bible contradicting itself? When he, we're declared sinful, but now God's saying that Noah's righteous. Well, we have to ask the question. What made Noah righteous? Is it that he delivered meals on wheels? <laughs> Is it that he shoveled his neighbor's walk and therefore he's a good guy? He belongs to the Rotarians, gives generously to that new, new park that they're building? Is that what makes Noah righteous? That they contributed to Ronald McDonald House or that... They worked at Winnipeg Harvest, or that they dropped 50 bucks in the church offering plate, or that they went on a mission. Does that what makes you righteous? No. What made Noah righteous is this. You ready for this? You've got to get this. Because this is the foundation of the Christian faith. Noah believed God and did what God said. We call this faith, and nothing has changed from Genesis to Revelation. The only way that you and I can ever be made right with God is that you and I believe God and do what he says. Adam and Eve, all they had to do was believe God and do what he said. And for Adam and Eve, what was it? Don't eat the fruit. For Cain and Abel, it was offer a lamb. Cain refused. For Noah, it was build an ark. And Noah didn't refuse. For you and me, are you ready for this? It's Jesus. You and I need to believe God and do what he says. And what does God say? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not die but have everlasting life. This is the good news. Jesus Christ is the ark for you and me. And when you and I put our faith in Jesus Christ, we are safely on the ark. We are safe from the judgment that is to come. 
Remember the guy with the sandwich board, the end is near? And you and I don't need to be afraid of that. Jesus Christ is our ark. And I'm going to tell you this. Noah was not perfect and was subject to the same original sin, the same temptations as you and me. Why would God declare him righteous? Well, Hebrews 11 tells us, look at this. It was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. The large boat is the ark, by the way, in case you didn't know. Look at that. He obeyed God, who warned him about things that had never happened before, and by his faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world, and he received the righteousness that comes by faith. What makes you and me righteous is that we put our faith in Jesus. We believe God and do what he says. So, God said to Noah, the flood's coming. Noah had never heard of a flood before. There's no record of this. It's unheard of. And what does Noah say? You've got to be kidding me. Come on. God, quit joshing around with me, God. No, he believed God. And then God says, I want you to be spared, so I want you to build a boat, and here are the dimensions. And Noah said, what's a boat? God said, never mind, just do what I'm saying. Build it. And Noah and his sons, they gather up the wood, and they build this massive ark. Now, by the way, this ark was not built to put a, an Evan root on the back so that you could go skiing. We're talking about a, a structure just to float. So... The boat maybe is not the right word. It's, just, it's, it's truly an ark. It's something to float, to hold people safe. And Noah believed God. And God said, the animals are going to come. You're going to save the animals. And Noah believed God. And then the day came. The door needed to be shut, and God sealed it. Noah believed God. And the Bible says he spared himself and his family, eight people. This, my friends, is a story that, that is repeated in probably 500 different tribes, peoples around the world. Noah believed God and did what he said. Now, here's, here's the thing, folks. The world as we know it is not going to go on. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure this out. In fact, People who are not even, don't even claim to be Christians understand that the world as we know it cannot go on as it is. The population is now spiking. It's, it's growing at alarming rates. There's a limited amount of space. How many know there's a limited amount of space here on this earth? Everybody knows that? And how many know there's, there can be only a limited amount of, of food on this planet? Everybody knows that? So we know that things can't go on the way they are. But we know it not just because we've got a brain and can figure it out. We know it because the Bible tells us this. You know, about 100 years ago, um, preachers began to preach about the end of times. And how many have heard of some, heard of some of the books or seen the movies or videos or whatever about the last days? It's, it's a hot topic. Wikipedia calls it apocalypticism. I don't think I said it right, but you understand. About the end of the world. It's a relatively new topic. Now, it has been brought up over the years at different times, 
but nothing like it has in the past 100 years. The Seventh-day Adventists back in 1843, the Millerites came up with the idea that their world was coming to an end, set a date, didn't happen, set another date, didn't happen, set an, and everybody believed it every time. But it was only about 100 years ago that it really began to really pick up. With the establishment of Israel as a nation, how many understand that Israel exists today because of a miracle of God? And how many know that it's what God wants? God wants this nation to go on. Contrary to what you're hearing in the news right now, contrary to what the media is telling you, this nation has been established by God's divine order. This is one of the great signs at the end of the time. For about 100 years now, we've been hearing that the end is near, the end is near. Now, isn't it interesting? I just thought of this this morning as I was preparing and going over my notes. Isn't it interesting that Noah preached to people for about 100 or 120 years, warning them of the end of time? If that doesn't send chills down your spine, I don't know what will. And we've been hearing it, and we've been hearing it, and we've, we've heard it for so long. Some of us, oh, I've heard that stuff. I don't, I don't need to swallow that. I mean, it's, it's not, nothing's happening. We're, the guy with the sandwich board, the end of the world is near. Yeah, he's a lunatic. And those preachers are lunatics. We've been hearing about this for a long, long time. Noah preached for 120 years. And then the end came. And he was safe within the ark. And we've been preaching now for almost as long as Noah's been preaching that the end is near. My question for you today is this. Are you safe within the ark? Have you put your faith in Jesus Christ? Have you believed God who said that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life? No man comes to the Father except through Jesus. Have you believed that? Have you put your faith in him? Have you said, Lord Jesus, I don't just believe it. I'm going to receive you into my heart. I accept you as my Lord, as my Savior. That's what Noah did. And today we have a new ark. His name is Jesus. Are you safe in the ark? <laughs> you know what? You think about it for a minute. I'm just about done here. Think about it for a moment. Who wouldn't want to be safe in the ark? Who wouldn't want to be safe in the arms of Jesus? Jesus makes these great promises that if you put your faith in him, folks, listen to this, he will give you a brand new life. Who doesn't want a brand new life? Who doesn't want a brand new you? Who doesn't want a clean start, a clean slate? That's what Jesus offers. And it doesn't stop there. It just keeps getting better. That's the beginning of the good news. You can become a brand new creation in Christ Jesus. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it, what? Abundantly. Now, who wouldn't want an abundant life? Who wouldn't want a return to the Garden of Eden? Because that's what Jesus offers. A fresh, brand new walk with God where you have a personal relationship where he talks to you and you talk to him. And it gets better. He gives you new life. He gives you abundant life here on this earth, fulfillment, peace, joy, and an ability to walk and commune with God. It gets even better. He gives you eternal life. 
so that when you die, you know that you know that you will be ushered into the very presence of Jesus Christ. To the thief that hung on the cross before beside Jesus, on that day that thief said, Lord Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He put his faith in Jesus. And Jesus said to that thief, today you're going to be with me in paradise. Is Jesus your ark today? It doesn't make sense not to go to Jesus, not to run to him, not to put your faith in him. It doesn't make sense. New life, abundant life, eternal life is yours. Some of you remember me telling the story about a certain church that came to us, not of our, certainly not of our doctrine, not of our denomination. And they wanted to know a little bit about us. Who, who are you? What do you believe? Uh, wanted to know about our baptism practices. Why do you dunk people? Why do we have a dunk tank? You've, you, some of you heard me tell you this before. And I said, well, I'll be glad to tell you about our baptism practices, but you have to understand this, is that I, I can't talk about baptism until I tell you why you need to be baptized. Do you know that first, in 1 first Peter, first Peter chapter 3, Peter describes what happens with Noah and the flood. He compares it to baptism. Did you know that? It's interesting. And... Uh, Peter says this is exactly what happened with Noah. He was baptized. And he came through that baptism a brand new man, saved. So I'm talking to these guys a little bit about our baptism, and I said the only way we baptize anybody is that they first of all have to put their faith in Jesus Christ. They have to first say, I believe. I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And, uh, and then I said, and then... The beautiful thing is this, the wonderful news is this, is that once you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you're assured of going to heaven. And I could see a fellow at the back all of a sudden really took exception with that. How dare you make that kind of a pronouncement? Who do you think you are to say that somebody can be, be, can be sure they're going to heaven? In fact, he raised his hand when it came time to question and answers, and boy, I got questioned. He, pointing his finger, how, how could you say that? Who do you think you are? What kind of a church is this that can make that kind of a bold statement that you can know for sure that you're going to heaven? And I saw his pastor squirming there, not really knowing what to do with that. And I said, the Bible tells me that I can be sure I'm going to heaven. What? I said, yeah, you have to read the Bible to find out these things. Ephesians 2, 8 to 10. God saved you by his grace when you believed. Believe God and do what he says. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. See, this guy at the back of the room thought that I was somehow being arrogant and that somehow we could, I was declaring that we could earn our way to heaven. I wasn't saying that at all. You can't take credit for this. You can't take credit for your salvation, for the fact that you're going to heaven. You can't take credit for that. That's what Paul says here. It's a gift from God. Verse 8. 
Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. And if you're here today thinking that you can win your way into heaven by your good deeds, by being such a wonderful person, this is a heresy. It's not true. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Folks, if you put your faith in Jesus Christ and you believe him and you're doing what he says, you have that assurance, that great confidence that someday when you die, you're going to heaven. And it's the only way. It's the only way that you can know for sure that you're going to heaven. Because God's word tells us that. You're going to heaven because you put your faith in Jesus Christ. You're hiding in the ark. And you'll be safe on judgment day. Would you stand with me, please? This is Christianity in a nutshell. Anybody wants to know what Christianity is in a nutshell? Here it is. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ who died for your sins and you'll be saved. And secondly, do whatever Jesus says. That's it. That's your Christianity. Not the smells and the bells and the whistles and, and the vestments and the embroidered whatever and the, this and the bowing and the kissing of saint. None of that. There's only one way that you're going to heaven, folks, and that's by believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible says, you will be saved. And now you have to do what he says. That's it. That's your Christianity. That's the faith in a nutshell. And you can't earn this. Jesus Christ has earned it for you at the cross. That's our faith. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you, Father, for the truth that shows us how we can be saved. Lord, uh, we look at the days of Noah, and we are, we are shocked at what happened. But we also recognize, which is even more shocking, is this is what these people chose. They chose not to go on the ark. They chose not to believe you. They chose not to put their faith in you. They chose their destruction. And God, we read in Luke chapter 17 that it says that you would return to this earth when the world is very much like it was in the days of Noah. Luke chapter 17 says that. And God, we're getting there really quick. We're living in a world that's full of violence. And it's reaching new levels of violence day by day. It's growing exponentially. And it's, it's frightening except for the fact that we know that you're sovereign, you're in charge. And this world will not go on as it is. So God, I pray today that everybody here would have put their faith in you and follow Jesus. They, they would be safe within the ark. We pray that in Jesus' name. And everyone said it? Before you move, just don't even move for a moment. If you're here today and you haven't yet put your faith in Jesus Christ or you're not sure, the Spirit of God is speaking to you at this very moment. Don't just walk away. Give God a chance to deal with you. Get onto the ark and be safe. 
and receive all that Jesus has for you. If you want, come talk to me. Phone me during the week. Email me. But God is dealing with you now, and I, I pray to God that you would respond to him. God bless you. God go with you. Amen.